0: Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast featuring Front Page 305. Welcome to Miami.
1: <laughs>
0: Ladies
2: and gentlemen, we are here this evening in to introduce you to our competitors Con Que Pasa 305. Money, the chuleta. Welcome
3: back to the Front Page Three Hundred Five Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, one of three co-hosts on the show. We got Walter Villa, Andre Fernandez, and that was uh, Billy Joel's "We Didn't Start the Fire," uh, one of my favorite songs from when I was growing up in a kid uh, as a kid in the
4: '80s. And memorized um, that lyric as a kid. Which one? That we didn't start the fire. The entire thing. started. I finish. did. It.
3: I did at some point, and now that I'm 42 years old, my memory is shot, so I can only remember certain parts of it, but uh, it's still one of my favorites, and I'm hoping that, you know, I know this is Pitbull Station, but I'd love yeah. for him to uh, to sample it and, and do, like, a remix with his own lyrics, updating it from when Billy Joel ended, because that was, like, up to the late 80s. I feel like the last 30 years have been crazy enough where you can write an entire new oh, song yeah. just off last right, the, the last, last three, three years. Even the last three years, right? right last man. three months. <laughs> That's uh, Andre Fernandez and Walter Ria, as I mentioned. Um, this episode, we're going to talk uh, to George Richards, who covers the Florida Panthers. We're going to talk to him in the second segment. Panther season came to an end, uh, unfortunately, with a uh, loss to the New York Islanders over the weekend. And uh, then we're going to talk to Anthony Chang, uh, Miami Herald beat writer uh, of the Miami Heat. Uh, he is uh, covering the Heat. The Heat got a big win last night over the Pacers And uh, now they're a game up for the fourth seed. They're going to probably end up playing Indiana, depending on the result tonight with Philadelphia. But uh, so we're going to get Anthony in the third segment to talk. But we got a lot of content here for you. Um, You know, obviously, a lot of things going on in the sports world down here. The Marlins got off to a a great start, 7-1. and and Then they lost their last two games to the Mets. Um, The Dolphins, the NFL, they're proceeding with uh, their practices and their camps. But really, I want to start the show today with college football, and that's because that's the big story right now. Um, they put out the schedules last week saying, hey, we're going to have this season. Now, uh, a couple of days later, they're they're saying, hey, we got to cancel this or we're considering canceling this or postponing this. And so there's a lot going on with that. Everybody's worried about the Hurricanes. They had such a good team this year. They got Derek King, a new offensive coordinator, Red Lashley. And, and so people are worried. Are you going to be able to play this season as fans? But there's a much bigger angle to this, and that is the safety – and the long-term health issues related to COVID-19. And so um, I, while I know there's obviously a risk with playing sports um, and contracting the virus, you don't want to do that. Um, the bigger issue I want to talk to you guys about in debate is if an athlete wants to risk it and play, which is what we're seeing. All these athletes are getting on uh, social media and saying, we want to play, hashtag, we want to play. The coaches want to coach. Um, if a player and coach sign a waiver, take the field, um, should someone step in and stop them? If they're willing to take the risk, we do it with concussions. Should we not do that in a pandemic? Walter, I'm going to go to you because I know you're passionate about the Canes.
5: Before I answer your question, let me get offer one quick correction because that's what we do to each other. We correct each other. And you said the podcast, this is more than just a podcast. We're live on the radio for the second straight week. So it's more than just a podcast.
3: Yes, I, I realize that. I apologize. <laughs> but you've got, I, got I, a lot I of pressure. You're
5: hosting the show. you got a lot of pressure on your shoulders. But I just had to, had to say that. Um, as far as as far as college football, I admittedly I'm biased because I want to see college football. Who doesn't want to see Miami this year with Derek King and all the talent they've got lined up? We we want to see that tested. So, my answer is a little bit biased, but yes, I think they should play. I am I am swayed by the argument of Nick Saban, who I know is uh, seen as the devil by <laughs> a lot of people in Miami. But he came out with a statement the other day and said that. He thinks the guys are, the players are safer on campus. And I, and I can see some reasoning to that with all the medical staff and the doctors and the trainers testing them on a daily basis. Then if they go back to their communities in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi or Tupelo, yeah, wherever, wherever they, wherever they come from um, and going and doing their normal things, going to parties or doing the things that kids do and not under supervision, not with doctors getting sick, making other people sick. So I can see the argument that they're safer to play. And obviously I want to see them play. And there's a lot of money at stake as well.
3: Well, if you want to get on, uh, on this debate, uh, I forgot to give out the number earlier, number seven, eight, six, eight, two, eight, 828 That's to call in and, and be a part of uh, our discussion here in the first segment. And if you want to comment on the heat, the Panthers, the dolphins, whatever you got on your mind. um, Walter, I listen. I, I listen to this whole thing with college football, and there's a couple of issues to me that stick out. Number one, why put out a schedule, okay, and go through this entire routine of we're going to start camps around the country, if only a few days later you're going to change your mind? It, to me, it's it's a little ridiculous. It shows you just how poorly organized and run college sports really is. I get it. The world no changes. argument there. No there's, there's, There's there's, you know, reasons to want to go back and, and revisit issues. Right. You know, you don't want to make a mistake. But I, have these guys not been talking to the, the doctors about the long term effects of COVID-19 for a while now? I mean, what what changed in a matter of a week that all of a sudden, you know, we go from planning the season and putting out schedules to wait a minute, we, we can't get this done. And I, to me, that's the bigger issue I have here. It, it, it seems like, you know, college football is in bad need of a commissioner. I know we've talked about that on the podcast before, but there needs to be one central person who's in charge. And really, um, you know, the power five programs, the group of five schools, the other schools, um, you know, that are, that are sort of pulling out of this because they can't necessarily risk it and afford, you know, uh, testing on a weekly basis, the way things have to be done to, to, to organize this the right way. I mean, to me, it, just the lack of leadership it, it, with, with college football has been amazing. I, I feel like the NBA had the best plan. The NHL had the best plan. They said, we're going to go into a bubble. This is how we're going to organize things. We're going to finish our season. But college football and the NFL have had a long time to get this right. Why, do the, why is the NFL proceeding that? Why are they sort of going ahead with it? What doctors are they talking to that are different than the doctors the college football doctors are talking to? First of all, I I think
5: there's too many players and too much staff to do a bubble. It's, it's, it's probably unworkable for football, but I think the difference between college football and the NFL is obviously the NFL, they're, they're, they're grown, grown men, they're adults. They decide they want to do this. And there is a, there's a commissioner and there's a players association. So between those two, as long as there's an agreement, then play on. But in college football, it is a mess. The leadership is, I'm hoping they play, but it is a mess they probably it might lead to uh, you know the Power Five seceding from the rest of college football and then having commissioner that sort of the lord of that of that whole thing. But I think that's where the disconnect is.
3: Well, I, I know that today the big the Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten rather, and the Pac uh, twelve they're going to be discussing or, or sort of reaching a, a decision here. And the, and there's basically two schools of thought. One, they push the season back to the spring, or two, they delay it a couple weeks to September twenty sixth. And then sort of reach a resolution where, okay, do, we, do you play this season out and, and sort of buy more time? Obviously, the ACC schedule is supposed to start uh, September 10th. But, you know, th- this whole thing, again, it's just it's a mess. And I feel for the players. I feel for the coaches because those guys have not stopped working the entire time. Uh, you know, the Hurricanes players and the coaches, they've been working out, preparing for a season. And to get to this point, to pull out now uh, a couple of days into camp after you've after you've basically said, OK, this is this is the way I'm going to live my life. And, hey, we're going to get your hopes up. There's going to be a season. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. And so um, but again, the debate is should college football, you know, should they pull the plug on it? I think the smarter thing is to wait till the pros do it. And I think that's ultimately the way things are going to end up. I think they're going to wait to see how the NFL handles it. September 10th is also the NFL opener. I think the Chiefs play that night, that Thursday night. That's the Hurricanes are supposed to play UAB, but I don't see what the big deal is. Push, push the season well into December or, or January or, or February, whatever you got to do to give it the most time possible. But to just completely say, hey, we're going to postpone it. We're not going to play till February or whatever. It's kind of ridiculous. Give it more time is what I'm saying.
5: Hey, Manny, I want to get to, I know we want to get to Andre's itching to talk about the Marlins, but before we go there, since you are the Hurricanes beat writer for the Athletic and do such a great job on that, I wanted to, it'd be a shame not to get your thoughts on this. I wanted to ask you about the Hurricanes week in recruiting. um, They got the big defensive tackle, Leonard Taylor, and a commitment, obviously not assigning it, and they lost out on the cornerback from the same school um was it a good week in recruiting I mean DT has defensive tackles have been such a problem area for them for a while that seems and they got a five-star defensive tackle would seem to be a good week in recruiting even though they didn't get the corner and obviously they lost Greg Rousseau and the second question I would ask you is can they replace him Jalen Phillips or whoever they have would how, how big a loss is that?
3: Yeah, well, it's funny. You brought up a lot of different topics um, that I that I wrote about for The Athletic. I did a mailbag this week, and specifically leading with things like De'Ara King. Will he really come back if the season gets canceled? What's going to happen with Gregory Rousseau in terms of can, can Miami replace him? I think I'll start with Gregory Rousseau uh, angle. Uh, number one, yes, I think that, that is Miami's deepest position, defensive end without question. I think Jalen Phillips, a former number one ranked recruit in the country, a UCLA transfer uh 6'5, 265, another big dude who can who can wreak havoc and, and and get to the quarterback. Miami's lucky to have him on the roster. I think if you would have had to go with uh, Quincy Roche and then uh, Jafari Harvey, the the redshirt freshman, then then you start to question the depth. But I think they've got three legitimate guys. They've got those up up and coming redshirt freshmen as well that are that are uh sort of being groomed uh, at that position and and to me there's more than enough depth to to lose a Gregory so obviously you lose a superstar that that always hurts but I think you lose it at the right position had this been De'errick King announcing that he was going to forego the season then then to me that would have been a much bigger issue shut your mouth <laughs> right I, I'm not going to get the, go, go there but uh, as far as the recruiting is concerned um you know the, the interesting thing with that Leonard Taylor I think was a slam dunk we knew for weeks that he was going to end up committing to Miami. The Jason Marshall thing is interesting because I got word from several people that he had told Manny Diaz he was going to Miami. And then the next thing you know, it's off. I I mean, I prepared a story. I had everything ready to go for when the kid made his announcement. And then all of a sudden things changed and Florida got in and, and got in through the back door and ended up taking him over the weekend. And then they had Corey Collier, of course a couple of days later that that was interesting to me obviously that it, it hurts when you you can't get a, a, a one of your five stars in your in your backyard and that's what Jason Marshall is then Corey Collier was a four star uh, recruit but um e- either way i mean look this has been a really good class for Manny Diaz and and i and i look at it and i said look they got two five star kids it's been a long time since that's happened um they've got uh you know they're pursuing Jake Garcia the quarterback out of uh California, who's transferred to Georgia to play high school football this year because of what's happening over there in California. They delayed the season to the spring, and he's a USC commitment. He's closer to Miami now, and and they're hoping to sway him. Um, You know, Ja'Cory Brooks, another five-star receiver from Miami Booker T. Washington who's committed to Alabama. They're they're in pursuit of him as well. So I I don't think Miami's in a bad position at all with what they've done in, in recruiting. You know, they've got a top 10 class, and yeah, it sucks you couldn't get Jason Marshall, but I think defensive backfield is a position they're pretty loaded at when you look at the future. But
5: maybe well, the, maybe last quick comment, maybe the check came in and the post office has been slow. The check came in <laughs> from the, from Gainesville and arrived finally.
3: Might have, might've have happened. Um, let's get to the Marlins because I know Andre, we want to, we haven't, we've hardly heard from him in this episode And I, I want to give him the floor on this because he covered the Marlins. Baseball is his passion. Uh, is really what he wants to do. And, and I think, uh dre the marlins very interesting to see them get off to a seven and one start obviously they beat a very bad i call them the baltimore Orioles because they're so <laughs> horrible that the <laughs> Orioles. um and and then and then they kind of got brought brought back to earth a little bit by the mets over the week and losing a couple games but still a pretty remarkable story um in terms of you know all the guys that they had out and they're still able to field the winning team
4: so somebody tell um, the home
3: what do you the- what do you take from this Go ahead. (laughs) I was
4: just going to say, somebody tell the Orioles they're the Orioles when they go play anyone but the Marlins. They come back and sweep (laughs) the Nats and sweep the Rays. Right.
3: Um, My question to you is, is this start fraudulent and is there a legitimate shot this team makes the playoffs?
4: I mean, I think it's still a little early to tell in the sense that even now with the two losses to the Mets, I think this coming week is going to be very interesting because not just the Toronto series, but then they finally come home. And they play the Braves, who really are the front runner that everyone expected in the division. And we're judging this team right now when you still have 18 guys out of totally revamped bullpen. So to me, it's not even the real team yet that you're going to see. They're going to have some tough decisions to make because you got a few players there, you know, like an Eddie Alvarez that's playing some great second base right now and, and hitting the ball pretty well. Like, you know, what do they do with him? Second base is open. Isan opted out. So is there some pitching spots that some guys have been better than others? Do they stay on the team when others come back? So the makeup of this team, once everybody gets healthy, is going to change, and that's going to be interesting. I think as far as the playoffs, do they have a shot? I think the if they can add a couple more wins here, that little 7-1 and one push was a good you know, solid start where if they can stay afloat these next few games while they're a little bit in transition and avoid a long losing streak, especially with the extra six spots – they might have a shot. They might have a legit shot of landing a wild card if they can do that, if they can stay. If, if we get to maybe like game 30, game 35, and this team is still hovering around the 500 mark or maybe a little bit above it. I mean, that, that's all it's going to take. So, I mean, they definitely are better. But like you said, I mean, I think the Orioles in the end, I mean, you look at the, the whole league right now. They're not the only team that had low expectations. That's winning. The Orioles are winning aside from when they play them. The Tigers are winning. The Tigers, I think, if I'm not mistaken, are like eight and five right now. So there's a lot of teams that got off to this great start and still remains to be seen. So I I think the verdict is still out overall for me on the Marlins. And I think after the next week is when once they once they face some better competition, especially a team like the Braves, then I'd say then we then we'll know a lot more about them.
5: Hey, Andre, one thing quick on the Marlins, you know what their start equated to in if every game is 2.7 games we're two 2.7 games. So they actually started 19 and three by that math.
4: No, that's a big push. Absolutely. And that's what I mean. Like, even if they regress a little bit, as long as they don't, as long as the floor doesn't completely fall out from under them and they go on a long 10 game losing streak or something like that. That's enough of a foundation where especially now that more than half of the leagues are going to get in the playoffs. They might they might be able to sustain just enough, and I think they're going to get bats. You, you look at guys like Rojas got off to a good start, that little bit there. Sandy, you expect a lot from him when he comes back and headlines that rotation again. So I mean, there, there's guys. Pablo Lopez has been pitching well already in the in the rotation. So when all that mix comes together, it's going to be interesting to see how the pieces fit and do some of these new guys stay and continue this push. I, I don't. Again, long term, I still see Atlanta probably winning the division, but. With the 16 spots, they may have a shot if they can stay afloat.
3: Well, it'll be interesting to see uh, if the Marlins can keep this thing together, and ultimately, if there are any players that emerge. Like you said, you mentioned Eddie Alvarez. Will he be a guy that that becomes a long term piece for them now? Uh, you know, what other guys that they that they've given an opportunity to now do they get to keep here in the in the months ahead?
5: And remember, Navarro, you had them—you com- had them contending by 2040 in our first podcast. I, 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 I still this. do,
4: by the way, because I don't <laughs> think they're going to be anywhere near the playoffs. They're going to be way, ten games way, out
3: by the time the season's over.
4: Yeah, way ahead of schedule. But yeah, there's other guys. Monte Harrison's another intriguing one. He hasn't—you know—he comes up and you could he's see what a terrible. great athlete he is in center field. He's looked but, terrible, though. But he's no—that's what I was going to get to. Defensively, he's looked fine, but at the plate, he struggled. I mean, he's got two weak singles out of everything else, striking out a lot. So I mean, that's why decisions. I think. My
5: quick thought, man, I know we got to go to break. I think the start is a little bit fraudulent. I think they could make the playoffs, but the start is a little bit fraudulent because the guys that you would want them to, to be doing well, like the young five-star type prospects like Monte Harrison aren't, and the guys that are doing well, like Eddie Alvarez is an unknown guy who's I think a 30-year-old rookie. We know his incredible story. So it if it were, the, if it were those superstar prospects that were really um, uh, leading this charge, that'd be one thing, but it's not.
4: Yeah, like Jesus Aguilar, a guy that may not be there in the long term. That probably won't be there in the long term. He's tearing it up and hitting home runs. So, yeah, to your point. All right, guys, when we come back in the second segment, we're going to welcome George
3: Richards to the show. We're going to talk Panthers and and talk about their decision to fire uh, GM Dale Talon, what the Panthers need to do to finally get it right. Uh, We're also going to have a clip for you. We did an interview with our buddy Chris Perkins, who's covered uh, everybody here in the city, the Dolphins, the Heat, hurricanes uh we did a a conversation with him that's available on our uh, podcast uh front page 305 just look it up on uh, spotify or apple and uh and so we'll have his behind las cortinas story on eddie jones former heat guard uh coming uh in segment two and then of course anthony chang miami heat beat
5: writer for the miami
3: herald we'll be back after this
2: hey look what i found a
5: radio. radio Slam Radio, SiriusXM,
2: Channel 145.
0: There are everyday
6: actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
2: Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose
5: at 3 a.m you win.
6: Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
2: Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? text and whatever just don't text and drive visit stop texts stop a message from Nitsa and the ad council
0: we'll be back with front page 305 on Sirius XM 145 slam radio good morning amigo and then I'd have one more question for him
7: did you take steroids did you take steroids why how can I do would, all of that and then not ask him but why would you do that he's not going to answer that question why would you answer such a question why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers
5: the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so then, why can't he answer the last up. one?
3: He's going to hang up on us.
5: Why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge
7: this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. a platanos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays. 7 to 11, only on 6M 145, Slam Radio.
7: There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them, you tell them, you know? You know, that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs, in order for you to, when it does happen, you go, Wow, you know this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it guys, it's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part.
0: On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Hey everybody,
3: this is John Resnick from the Goo, Goo Dolls, Giving a big shout out to Slam Radio, the only student run radio station that's all national. Awesome guys,
0: congratulations. Now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Oh yeah.
3: Always by Walter Villa and Andre Fernandez. Uh, We're going to bring on George Richards, who covers the Florida Panthers. Uh, He's been a longtime sports writer here, a good friend of ours, uh, worked with for many years at the Miami Herald to talk about What's happened here with the Panthers, the end of the season, uh, their decision to part ways with Dale Tallon. Uh G-Man, you there? Hi, guys. What's up? What's up, brother? How you doing?
1: <laughs> oh, Manuel. Good to hear you, buddy. What's happening? Yeah.
3: Um, so the guys are here, uh, and, and we wanted to bring you on to talk about the Panthers and what uh, kind of happened here at the end of the season. Um, I know they ended up winning Game 3 against the Islanders, but to me, they looked overmatched. Uh, for the most part in that series. Um, was it time to just part ways with Dale Town and, and, and start fresh? Did they do the right thing here?
1: Well, I don't even know if they're starting fresh, you know, I mean, uh, if they go outside the organization and hire somebody. Yeah, I mean, that's starting fresh. They They could promote from within. Um, we don't know what they're going to do just yet. Uh, they may decide that the best candidate for the for the GM job is is in-house, and, and that would be uh, Assistant General Manager Eric Joyce. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, but, listen, I mean, um, Dale was there 10 years. Uh, I think he gets a lot of blame for what happened. Um, you know, like I think I told you guys on the podcast when you asked about Dale I think a lot of the I think a lot of the uh blame has to fall on the heads of the players because you said they looked overmatched. What I saw was a team that didn't seem to have any get up and go and didn't really seem to, you know, put a whole lot of weight on let's get going. You know, if you look at that game four, they're supposedly playing for their lives. They're down two nothing and it could have been four or five nothing the way they were looking and and it just didn't seem like and it's been that way now for a couple of years that that, that 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 just, you know, a lack of heart, if you will. I mean, this team doesn't show up way too much, and it and it's hard to put that on the general manager uh, when, when you you look at the team and you're like, this team should be a lot better than it is.
5: Hey, George, uh, the Panthers, as bad as that was against the Islanders, they had a chance. Yeah. They had a chance mm-hmm. to make it a great week had they had any luck at all, but we know they rarely have any luck. They didn't get the uh, – The ping pong ball to bounce their way so what was worse in your mind losing to the islanders or missing out on that number one pick and also how good is this kid Alexis Lafreniere who's supposed to be the number one guy is he the next Connor McDavid
1: well I don't know if he's the next Connor McDavid but he's going to be a top tier NHL player um you know a cornerstone player um yeah. I mean when you when you combine, you know, if you if okay, listen, you lose to the Islanders in four and then you get the number one pick and you get a stud player out of it, you know what? The players did you a favor because you got you got something out of it. Now that you don't, you drop back to number twelve and it's like, All right, back to, you know, being disappointed with what happened and now we're gonna find out what this team's gonna do. Um, I think they're going to, you know, cut some, cut some payroll. They're going to let some free agents walk. And when you have a rookie like Alexis Lafriere, you know, you could say, oh, okay, well he's going to replace player X. Well, now you don't have, you know, that guy to to, to say that. So it's going to be a tougher sell, but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be another long off season here in South Florida off season 2.0 since they were already off for four months. Now we're going to get another three or four month break. So, um I I think both are pretty pretty disappointing when you put them together
5: I've seen some national conjecture George where talking about Barkoff and the chances he might leave in a couple years and maybe get fed up wants to go to a team that wins how likely is it that they could lose you know their best player in a couple years whenever his contract is
8: up
1: Well, it's very possible. I I, I think, you know, you don't see captains leave their team as a free agent very often, especially if the team makes a fair, you know, makes, makes a compelling offer. Um, You know, you can't even negotiate with Sasha Barkov for another year. Um, And you've got to worry about Jonathan Huberdeau as well. Both players are on very manageable, very team friendly contracts. Now there's, you know pros and cons to that. You lock them up, and they get a nice guaranteed salary. But they're probably playing under market value um, for the life of that contract. And they're going to—they're both going to get paid uh, either by the Panthers or by somebody in the next three years. Um, so, you know, can you keep both Burkov and Huberto in the future? Maybe, maybe not. It's a good problem to have only because of how talented both those players are. Is there a chance? Absolutely. I mean, you don't know, but I would think if you're going to worry about one, I think it's Uber he's got an extra year on his deal. Um, so you're a couple years away from even thinking about that. I think if, if the Panthers want to keep Sasha Barkov, which I absolutely believe they do. And I absolutely believe they should. Um, I, I, I think he'll resign um, when the time is right. Um, But, you know, again, we'll have to wait and see with what happens moving forward. A lot of things with the Florida Panthers change on a dime. So let's just see what happens.
5: Hey, uh, George, uh, also, whenever they hire their new general manager, how hard is is it going to be for them to – um, make moves, especially on the defense. Seemed like the problem was they gave up too many goals, yeah. whether that's a goalie or a defenseman or a combination thereof, but they probably want to try to move some of those D men that are making a lot of money. How difficult is that going to be to maneuver?
1: I think it's going to be very difficult, um, you know, for, for a number of reasons. Um, I, I think everybody is jumping off, you know, on the the Mike Matheson, Uh, deal. I mean, he got an eight-year deal a couple years ago. I believe it was in 2017. So he's in year two. Um, So there are six years left on that eight-year contract. Believe it or not, I think Mike Matheson would be the easiest person to move. He's a young player, a talented player, an extremely smart player who sometimes seems to get in his own way mentally. Um, I think he overthinks things sometimes and uh, when when something goes wrong early in a game, you can almost predict that that's going to be a bad game for Mike Matheson. He doesn't recover well when when a mistake happens early in a game. It happened in the exhibition game against Tampa, happened in game one against the Islanders, happened in game two, benched game three. Um, I, I think a lot of general managers around the league would take a flyer, on even with six years left on the contract, because of his talent, because of his skill level because of his age. Um, as far as other guys, the older guys, they all have no trade deals, uh, and, and they seem to have uh, zero interest in waiving them. Um, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to, to, to fix the defense. Um, but you have a, you have some young players moving up through the ranks that look like they can play a little bit, right? you got Mackenzie Weger who's going to get a new contract as a, as a restricted free agent. You've got Riley Stillman, who jumped into the mix Brady keeper. They were extremely impressed with. Um, so they've got some guys that that, that they think that they could be the new core of this. They've got some, some prospects who look really good defensively. So um, they may just go that route and, and see what happens, but they have spent a ton of money. on on this defense, uh, you know, more so than, you know, almost any team in the league. I mean, you, you look at the numbers, the Panthers spend more on defensemen than just about any team in the league. And yet they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I mean, it's just, uh, you you know, not, not the best of investments, but let's, you know, let's talk about Bobrovsky. (laughs) Yeah.
4: That's actually one that I was thinking of uh, jumping in and asking you about because a lot of the blame oh, does yeah. go to the defenseman. But, yeah. you know, this guy was brought in with a lot of hype after what he did last year and signed to a long deal. I mean, what do you think of just not just now in the bubble, but even before, like what he his, his season overall?
1: I, I think, you know what? I think his season kind of looked like the bubble. I think he played pretty when the team, when the defense played well in front of him, he played pretty good um i thought he was very good games one through three game four he gave up that first goal and then the other three not really as well but at the end of the day they lose five to one uh you know sergey bobrovsky gives up four goals and he's probably the team mvp just because he kept them in that game like i said the first period could have been five nothing islanders and it was only two to one First off, Mike, Mike Hoffman gets that power play goal with like 90 seconds left in the period to salvage it and make it look like, okay, all right. They played like absolute garbage in the first, but you come out in the second, you're only down 2-1. They came out and played the same way. Um, but I thought Bobrovsky was fine. I think, you know, but you look at Bobrovsky's numbers, some of the lowest of his career, um, but I think he was better than his numbers. Um, but that said, they are what they are. He said the numbers don't look good. He says he, you know, he was, you know, learning to adjust. I think he'll be better next year. I thought he was better in the playoffs or the postseason, whatever you want to call it. I thought he was fine.
3: Hey, so um I want our listeners to be able to know where to follow you, George. Uh Floridahockeynow.com obviously is where you where you're writing now, and you got your blog and your and your posts. And and also obviously on, on Twitter George Richards. That's an easy place to find you. What's the latest thing you got riding uh, coming down the the, uh, the the pipe here?
1: Well, it's, you know, this is the, uh, you know, the Panthers ended up losing on Friday. So now it's time to look back at the season, uh, the entirety of it. I mean, when they stopped, you know, in March, it looked like they had turned a corner a little bit. They had 13 games left. It looked like they were going to make a run at Toronto for third place in the East, in the Atlantic. It looked like they, you know, I, I mean, you look at this four-month break, the New York Islanders were not going to make the playoffs. They were—they had <laughs> lost seven in a row. They had a lot of injured players. They were headed, you know, they were on a downward spiral. If the season had continued, the New York Islanders are done. Four months later, they get their players back and look at them. The Columbus Blue Jackets, half their team was on the disabled list, you know, in March. They didn't look much like a playoff team. Um, they looked okay, but they didn't look like they were going to hold on. Four months later. They get all their players back. Look at them now. They're playing Tampa Bay in the first round. So, um, you know, so looking back at what, what happened to the Panthers, looking back at, at what happened in the playoffs, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to do some report card stuff and, and look ahead. It, 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 you know, who who the Panthers could look at as a new general manager. Um, so, well, I've got a full week of stuff at FloridaHockeyNow.com. So, uh, if you're, you are like the Panthers, you like some rumors and innuendos, come on over. <sighs>
3: <laughs> well listen, I, you should if you're a Panthers fan, I mean you're already following George Richards because you know he's the best in the business. And George, thank you Absolutely. for coming on the front page. Again, you're our first repeat customer. We're gonna make sure to keep your phone handy here as uh the off season, the NHL off season progresses. Uh I'm sure we're gonna keep calling you for more of our Panthers news.
1: Yeah, sounds good, my man. Uh Walter, Dre, love you boys. Be good. You're the best. Thanks, G. <laughs> Thanks, G.
3: <laughs> Thanks, G. All right, so before we get to our third and final segment, uh, we're going to talk to Anthony Chang about the Miami Heat in that last segment and and kind of what uh, to expect here as the playoffs are nearing. Uh, But before we get there, let's listen to a clip of Chris Perkins, another fellow journalist down here in South Florida who's covered the Dolphins, um, the Heat, the Hurricanes. Uh, We got his behind Las Cortinas story on an, an experience that he had inside the Heat locker room with Eddie Jones. Here it Kirk, is.
4: We have a fun segment all the time that we call Behind La Cortina. And I told you that the behind the curtain scene. And yeah. um since you have covered a little bit of everything, any 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 fun stories that you remember, something suitable for this podcast that yes. you might uh or even maybe <laughs> slightly not suitable, but not, not <laughs> way overboard. Hey, listen, George I mean, Richards brought up a prostitute story with uh, Right, that was a great one. The NHL players. Even though he great. didn't spell it out that way, but yeah. We, we <laughs> you could tell you could tell what it was about.
2: That's great. That's
4: great. Ladies of the I'm, evening. Oh
2: uh, yeah. that's great. I, I will tell you that um, you know back in back in my NBA days, this was back in like uh, 03, 04, something like that um when I was covering the heat, Eddie Jones. I, you know, and you know when you sit in the locker, this is gonna sound so bad and so bizarre. But when you sit in the <laughs> locker room, and you you see the players get dressed, right? And right. so Eddie Jones would always put on his shoes. I don't like where shoes. this is going. I, I know, I know. Eddie Jones, it's a, it's a good observation. Eddie Jones would always put on his dress shoes and then he would put on his slacks. And then I used to go, how backwards is that? And how the hell do you do that anyway? So one day I got up the Courage and I asked him, I'm like, Eddie, man, what, what's the deal here? And he goes, you know, you know what I discovered is, you know how you put on your, your deodorant and then you go to put on your uh, your your um, your shoes. You bend down to tie your shoes and you kind of get a deodorant mark on your pants. And so he discovered if he puts on his shoes first, he can tie up his shoes and he'll get the deodorant mark on his thigh and then he can put on his pants. I'm like, well, that's good, Eddie. But how the hell do you get your pants over your shoes? And he goes, oh, it's, it's a European cut, and he has this, this uh, you know, kind of cuff or this opening. It, and I'm just like, dude, that is so bizarre. Like I, you know, it's you can you can also put on your deodorant after your pants are on. There's so there's other solutions. Is what right. I thought. But you know, if you want to get these custom pants and all that kind of stuff, if you can afford it, hey, go for it. Wow.
3: wow. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the strange dressing habits of NBA players. That's not oh, man. Who, who's yeah, who's,
4: who's, who's one of the most it. like eccentric athletes you've ever covered? Maybe somebody that even even stranger, you know, stuff you've seen them do. Or... Well, Ant-
2: well, Antoine Walker. I love Antoine. He he used to have like three hundred dollar belts and, and things like which I guess when you make millions, it, that that's not bad. But then when you see him on that thirty for thirty broke. <laughs> it's like did, did you really need that right. belt? But you know, but but didn't Hassan Whiteside have like a fancy multi hundred dollar white T shirt, like from Hugo Boss or something like that, like a two hundred dollar white T shirt or something? Uh, all, I know? Know is,
3: all I know is, I know is Myers Leonard walks around with some gigantic hammer that had to have cost him a pretty penny because it's all yeah. blinged out and and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these guys are just weird. It's <laughs> incredible. It really looks it's like a hammer. All right, we're gonna be, uh, we're gonna come back with Anthony Chang and talk Miami Heat after the break. Hey,
2: look what I found.
5: A radio. Radio. Slam Radio, Sirius XM channel
2: 145.
0: There are everyday
6: actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth. Stay home when you are sick cover your cough or sneeze, clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
5: Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals.
2: I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose
5: at 3 a.m you win
6: love your kids love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat from toddlers to tweens visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size keep them safe visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration and the ad council
2: text and work text and pretend to work text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working who me Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from Nitsa and the Ad Council.
0: We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
7: Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold down. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do would, all of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would he answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the
5: other two very nicely of without course. a problem.
3: Yeah, so definitely. why can't he answer the last up. one?
7: He's going to hang up on us.
5: Why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge
7: this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He ate platanos.
0: Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on 6M 145, Slam Radio.
7: There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you you got to take those losses, you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part.
0: On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality.
7: Hey, everybody.
3: This is John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls. Giving a big shout out to Slam Radio, the only student-run radio station that's all national. Awesome guys,
0: congratulations! And now we're back with Front Page Three Hundred Five on Sirius XM One Four Five Slam Radio.
3: on page we just heard uh the behind las cortinas story from chris perkins talking about the way eddie jones used to put on his pants and it brought me to our uh young producer anthony Million. anthony uh when you hear that uh a guy like eddie jones puts on his pants after he puts on his shoes is that something that like millennials do is that something I, I, we're not i'm 42 you're much younger than i am Is that something that's common no. for me my- i always I'll put on the pants, then I'll put on the shoes, then I'll put on my deodorant so I don't get the stain on the pants. Then I'll put on the shirt. Okay. I mean, it, a little bit of a flex there by Eddie Jones to try and get that cut so you know he, he can fit it through the shoes. Right. But I like the I like the innovation by Eddie Jones. There's no uh, European. Do you have any European cut pants? Does did your dad uh, did he buy no. those for you? No, no. not at all. Okay, we don't. I, I wasn't familiar with European cut till I heard Chris Perkins tell us a story.
5: His pants are made in the 305 and they're exclusive for use in the pools that he built
3: <laughs> That's right, Mr. Pool Party, Anthony Million. All right, well, we're gonna go from Anthony Million to another Anthony, Anthony Chang, uh, uh, one of the best young sports writers here in South Florida, covering the Miami Heat for the Miami Herald, a guy that I, I got to know pretty well. And then he ends up replacing me on the beat when I left for the Athletics. So, Anthony, welcome to the show, man. Or should I call you Mr. Bustelo, Cafe Bustelo? What, what what should I refer to you as here?
8: I'm a I'm a Cuban coffee influencer. That's what you could. Uh, <laughs> be refer-
3: so, tell us the story. <laughs> did you really hook up Spo with Cuban coffee up in Orlando? Did you, Did you sneak it into the bubble
8: for him? What's the story with that? Indirectly, I snuck in Cuban coffee through the bubble. So. <laughs> he before before one of, i think i forget what game it was it was like before one of the first seating games he was asked just about like the the wacky start times and like the inconsistent schedule in the bubble as far as practices and games um and he said yeah we don't even know what day it is like i'm drinking my coffee in the morning sometimes i'm drinking it at night and uh, i think tim reynolds and the associated press asked him like how's the coffee in disney and he said well i'm drinking the cheap stuff in my hotel room i'm gonna need I'm going to need somebody to send me the good stuff from back home. So I tweeted that quote out and I said, you know, Bustelo, like, you know, you know, help a guy out here. And Bustelo responded and said, we're going to send him something. like two days later, there was a package, a picture that the heat tweeted a package from Bustelo of all types of coffee, like the the Keurig, the Keurig form, the, the, the traditional form, like it was all, you know, Bustelo did it right. So I helped out, but Bustelo really deserves credit.
4: That was a heck of a gift basket. I saw that on, on when they posted the picture.
8: Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, I, I, I would think that should last them, you know, for at least another month or so in the bubble uh, if the Heat, you know, advance deep into the playoffs. Um, but he might need a refill. I don't know if that's enough if they make, like, a, a run to the conference finals or maybe, yeah. you know, the, like the, he might need, Bustelo might need to send another gift basket.
4: Yeah, that, that's what they're hoping for—an NBA Finals gift basket <laughs> drops in the bubble.
8: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But I, that was fun. That, that was—I uh, I said it then, uh, and it was kind of a joke, but not really. Like, I think that was one of my proudest journalism <laughs> achievements. <laughs> <laughs> getting getting cute Coffee into the bubble—I I was, it was like one of the proudest days of my career. Hey, Anthony, Next last... to
5: appearing on this on this radio show, that would be the uh, the, that the would top be two
3: highlight. That'd be the right. That's top two for him. Hey, Anthony, um, I, I wanted to talk to you about the Heat welcoming back Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic uh, in, the, in the win over the Pacers last night. But I didn't want to talk specifically about the game. I wanted to talk about Tyler Hero, because I think what he did against the Suns uh, the other night, at, you know, 25 points, 10 assists, eight rebounds, whatever, near triple-double against the Suns right. as the as sort of the lead horse that night, um, you know, he's, a, he's an interesting guy, obviously a rookie, um, a player that you look at this franchise and you say, okay, do you use him as a piece to trade for a bigger piece? Or do you keep him and groom him and play him along Bam out of and keep this young core together? I think ultimately that's going to be the question that we're going to be asking ourselves this offseason. You know, what does the Heat do next? How do they get closer to a championship? Because I think we all kind of feel like this team is still a piece away from winning. But my question to you is, after seeing what Tyler Hero did the other night, do you think the Heat ought to keep this guy and make him part of the long-term plans?
8: I think it depends on who they who the trade target is, right? Like, uh, if it's for Bradley Beal, I think I would do the deal. But other than I don't I don't know if I would trade Kyler for Victor Oladipo or, or a player of that caliber. It would have to really be like a upper echelon star. Uh, and Victor Oladipo is very good, but he's coming off an injury. There's kind of question marks about, you know, will he be the same guy he was a few years ago? Can he play an entire season like that? There, there are those question marks just because he's just coming back from injury. But I think whether the Heat trade him or or keep him, like this is this is good for the Heat because if they keep him, he's developed. I mean, you see his skill set. Like he's 20 years old, and he kind of came here with the reputation of being a shooter. And you saw a few nights ago, like you alluded to, Manny, he could be. He, he might not be a true point guard, obviously. He's 6'5", and he doesn't – I don't know if he has true point guard skills, but he can play on the ball. Like, he can be a combo guard. He, could, he, has, he makes nice reads on defenses. Like, he's really been working on that. Um, I mean, some of the passes he made against the Suns were really impressive. A skip pass to the opposite side of the court to a wide open Andre Gadala for a three. A around pass to Bam. Um, you know, a, a driving kick to Jay Crowder for a three. Like, you can see he has the instinct and he has the handles to play on the ball. Um, so if they keep him, that's obviously a good thing. And if they, if they do trade him, like this is only increasing his value. So um, either way, I think this is all good for the heat. Obviously you want him to be as good as he can be, you know, because he can help you if you, if you stick with him. And if you decide to trade him, his stock is going to be high if he keeps playing at this level.
4: Anthony, what do you think? Just uh, Manny and I have talked about this uh, a lot. And when we've both been covering the team, but, you know, people talk about Giannis and whether he would come here or, you know, does he stay in Milwaukee? And then obviously you mentioned Bradley Beals, another, you know, it's going to take a probably a, a some kind of a costly trade to get him here, but something that could be worth it, obviously, if it gets you to that title. But who, who to you, from covering this team and seeing them as much as you do, who do you think is the better fit to make this happen? Not just to make it happen for a championship, but maybe even a little bit of a sustained run. Because obviously they're both tantalizing pieces when you look at what they would bring, but what do you think, or what do you think ends up happening out of those two? I mean, I think it's going to be
8: Giannis. It really depends on what Milwaukee does, right, over these next two years. Like, if they win the title, he, you know, he might stay, and I would still say the chances are he stays in Milwaukee. I would pick Milwaukee over the field still at this point. Uh, Bradley Beal obviously just signed an extension, and you know, it's going to take a trade to get him, and you know that's that that makes it hard too because you know it it takes two to tangle like the heat might want to trade for him but if the Suns or if another team or if denver offers a better package like the heat are out of luck so you know it's not going to be easy it's not just like you know it's not gonna be easy to get those guys um victor ladipo is another target like i mentioned um but as far as fit you know Giannis is obviously the best player of the three he's you know arguably the best player in the league best young player in the league next to donchick uh from dallas um but, uh, you know, I, the the one question I have about that, like, obviously you go for Giannis, but a trio of Bam, Jimmy, and Giannis, like, where's the shooting? <laughs> like, that, that's it's a really good trio, obviously, but you wonder, like, how is that going to work with those three guys where really his three-point shooting is is a weakness for all of them? Um, Bradley B, on the other hand, he seems to fit well with those two guys. Yes, Giannis is a much better defender, and he will make this team a better defensive team on the other end. But, but I don't, there's something about Bradley Bill that I just think he'd be the perfect fit next to Jimmy and next to Bam.
4: How much do you think we see some of that hero running the point on the ball, you know, maybe in the playoffs? Not, you know, not so much like going too much primarily to it, but it's almost like it's a good revelation to see that maybe he's a little more ready to handle that in a pinch. You know, we've seen how Dragic can be injury prone. We've seen, you know, obviously we know Jimmy plays a lot of minutes. You know, at least in spots, good to have. How much do you think Spo uh, goes to that once we hit the playoffs? I think he will go to that in, in spots. Um, he Tyler's
8: proven he could do it. Um, the good thing about this team is that they, like you said, they have a lot of ball handlers. Like they have Jimmy who could, who can initiate offense. They have, like you said, Golan who can initiate offense. I mean, Bam. <laughs> I feel like he brings up the ball up court on half the possessions. Like he can, he can initiate offense, and now Tyler can do the same thing. And you still have Kendrick Nunn who also could do it i mean he's not maybe he's not at the level of those guys but he could also fill that role so i think that's one of the strengths of this team is there's a lot of guys that could facilitate and even andre goddala i even forgot to mention him i mean he's another guy off the bench where he plays a lot on the ball when he's in the game um so i mean that's why that's what makes their offense so good is they have the ball movement the assists um they're not a stagnant offense obviously i mean that's 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 for sure um, and Tyler, Tyler has gotten better in that area. And I think he will be using that role in spots. But again, I don't think it's going to be, you know, his usage is not going to be super high just because there are so many guys who could, who could play that role as well, along with him.
5: Hey, Anthony, I'm going to disagree with you on the Beal thing. Obviously if you get a chance to get Giannis. That's one thing, but Beal, the, the thing about Tyler hero, that's so intriguing is you get, you get to use him at a cheap contract. Beal in 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 2 years can either resign with Washington I'm reading here or get a 5 year 198 million dollar contract. So salary cap, can you talk about the salary cap implications of that and isn't it really better just to grow uh it, it seems like we always want to go outside the organization, just grow with Tyler Hero what we saw the other day if they can if they can we know that's there now wouldn't they be better off to have Tyler on that cheap contract and build from within.
8: I mean, yes, that's the other argument. And I'm not going to say you're wrong about that. The only thing out my counterpoint would be Jimmy is going to be 31 in like a few weeks and you need to compete now, obviously. So are already good, but he, you know, he's not that all star. Like, like Manny said, this team needs another player to really compete for a championship. And you need a guy on Jimmy's timeline. Like Bam is getting there. He's obviously made his first all-star team. And he looks like he's, you know, going to be really like an all-star player for the next, whatever, five, ten years. Um, and you need another guy on that timeline. And Bradley Beal is, you know, on the Jimmy timeline where he's an all-star caliber player right now. So that'll be my kind of Yes, Tyler could potentially be, you know, uh, an all-star in, you know, a handful of years maybe. Um, but by then, Jimmy is going to be 35 and he's not going to be what he is now. Um, So that, that's where I think the Heat need to cash in some of these young chips for a player that is ready to, to, you know, to, 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 to contribute to a title uh, contender right now.
4: One quick thing on the potential Heat Pacers series, Uh, they neutralized TJ Warren for the most part last night and no fireworks between him and Jimmy, but you see, I mean, they're, they're they're about to they're about to get sick of each other through what could be a six or even seven game series. Do you think that do you think they behave, or do we see round two at some point?
8: I don't know. I remember those days when Manny and I were on the heat beat, and I'd see him seven out of eight days, and I just couldn't stand him. So I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. I can only imagine TJ and Jimmy uh, what that's going to be like. I mean, they could face each other nine out of ten games. And I know they behaved yesterday and Jimmy tried to like he didn't even Jimmy didn't talk to the media after the game. He only did the the walk-off interview with Jax on Fox Sports Sun. Um I, I don't think he wanted to feed into kind of the storyline. And TJ Warren, pretty soft spoken guy. He really didn't say much about Jimmy after the game to Indiana media. Um, but I do think eventually, like, you know, this the sixth time they face off in a matter of two weeks, like there's gonna be there's going to be something. Like, I, I just can't imagine that it's just going to, they're going to behave for the next three weeks if they really do face off in the playoffs.
3: But TJ Warren won't have a lot to talk about if he keeps scoring 12 points, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh,
8: yeah, and, and honestly that wasn't, I mean, it was surprising because he's been playing so good, but that was, his what he was doing wasn't sustainable. I think it was like shooting 60% from the field and like 50 something percent from three. I mean, he's a solid player. He's averaging 20 points a game so he's not a bad player, but he's not James Harden obviously. So I, 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 that, that was, that was, that was going to come and the heat really had a good game plan for him. They trapped him every time he had the ball uh, and they really, you know, took him out of rhythm and you could see it from the start. Like Jimmy wanted that matchup. He was defending him on mo- almost every possession. And it was almost like, you know, like the Jeremy Lynn, uh, when Jeremy Lynn came to Miami during the big three era wow. where Jeremy Lynn was on streak and the heat, just they made it like their goal to, to just, totally take him out of the game and that's kind of what the heat did last night hey we're going
3: to do something real quick because we're, we're we're coming up at the end of the show here but we're going to I wanted to do this with you real quick uh will they be back uh Myers Leonard
8: oh man I, I would have definitely said yes before Orlando but now oh, man I know you needed me to be quick I'm going to say yes though I'll say yes
3: you, you think they keep him okay um do they what do they do with Jay Crowder
8: I think they keep Jay Carter for sure. I think he'll fi- they'll find a way to keep him. And he, he's, he lives in Miami. He's made Miami his home for the past few years. I think he'll, he'll stay. I'm more confident right. about Jay.
3: So this might be easier. Who, who's who gone after this year?
8: Um, I still think it's going to be tough to keep Derek Jones. I think it's going to be tough to keep Derek just because he hasn't made the big money yet. Uh, he's a free agent. I know NBA finances right now aren't great, but Still, like if he gets a multi-year deal from a team, I don't know how he turns that down. And the Heat really aren't in position to give him, you know, more than one year just because they're they're preserving cap space for 2021. Uh, so if you know they might offer Derek and use his bird rights to you know give him a one-year like 12, 13 million dollar deal. But if he gets three years, 30 million from somewhere, I don't know how he turns that down. So I'm going to say Derek Jones.
3: All right, Anthony, you were great. Thanks for coming on the show talking Heat basketball with us we got to wrap up the show this is going to be it for front page 305 this week for andre fernandez for walter Villa, guys thanks for doing another uh, fun episode we will be back next tuesday at noon right here sirius xm channel 145
0: the views and opinions expressed on front page 305 are entirely those of the host guests and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of slam radio The views and opinions expressed on front page 305 are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.